Welcome to Down Camp Road. We'll share a piece of scripture with a reflection and prayer, along with a story about the camp experience. Here's our camp community in audio. Tell me about the Benny K way to craft the perfect song. Typically, I start with the words first. Uh, and then we'll uh, kind of find a melody that I like and a chord progression that fits that well. I try to keep things moving and and add different dynamics to the song. And then you put it next to songs that it fits well with on the album and you kind of serve it up and package it up and it's, it's ready to be a, a record for everybody to listen to. What about the part where you send it to your inner circle to get feedback? Yeah, you have to have executive producers uh, who listen and uh, tell you whether it's a good song or not a good song, and if it's worth spending your time and money recording. Mm. Um, and then they'll also give you feedback on kind of like what type of song it is and where it fits. Uh, because you, as the person who created it, it's like your little baby, and you you have a blind spot for it. But that's not really how it worked for your most successful, most requested beloved Benny K song, is it? That's not how it worked. There's a song out there that people often reference and that people really enjoy that took none of those steps. It was about 10 minutes to write it. I didn't record it ever on any record. It has no professional touches to it. It just was a song that I played a couple times at live shows uh, just for the fun of it. And the crowd went wild. It's really spoken to people in a way that is good and also uh, makes me question people's taste. <laughs> <laughs> My very own listeners. So of all the songs that you have polished and crafted to perfection, those aren't the songs that the people chose. I think what I'm learning is that People don't choose perfect songs. They choose the right song for the right time. We're often surprised by God's choices. When has God's story surprised you? I'm Caleb from Minneapolis. And this is a reading from 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, Do you come in peace? Samuel replied, Yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. 
Jesse then had Shammah pass by. But Samuel said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked, asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, Send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, Rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. So most people walk into their first day at a new job with a rush of emotions. Whether it be nerves or excitement, you know that they can't expect too much out of you on your first day. And with this mindset intact, I walked into my first day of work at the Boys and Girls Club with pretty high confidence. However, my first day was not the laid back day of training I was hoping it would be. I walked through the doors into utter chaos. There were just swarms of young kids jumping off buses, and it's the beginning of the school year, mind you, so the energy levels are just through the roof. Suddenly, the club director walks up to me, and he tells me the three most terrifying words you could have told me that day. Lead this room. And it was a moment of fight or flight right there, but I chose the third and less heard of F, and I froze. I did not know what to do. I wanted to do something, but I was just too overwhelmed, and I think many people feel that way stepping into a leadership position. They don't know if they're the right fit, or you keep thinking, like, this is way too over my head, I'm not meant to be here. And so I did all I could think to do and leaned out the hallway and asked for help. But it was embarrassing not to be able to control a room of fourth graders, and I'm an elementary education major, but that day I sure didn't feel like it. So I became vigilant. I was observing what other staff did to be such great leaders and control their rooms. I was going to master the formula for being this best leader. And I was constantly asking questions, trying to be better, learn more. I was building relationships with kids. I was doing what I learned in my training sessions that were finally taking place. Uh, I was on a roll, I felt. I had my own little clan, kind of with the misfit, quiet kids, and I worked really well with them. And there was this one little girl, I won't say her name, of course, but every day she would run up and give me a giant hug. And if you ever have worked with kids, you know how special it feels to be that one that a kid runs up to right away. So I felt like I was finally getting the knack of it until one day. I was put into a room that was specifically crafted to have the students with the most difficult behaviors. I don't know, I don't know why that was a decision that was made, let's put all the students who don't behave well together, but it was a difficult room. And I think these kids were also some of the most fun kids to talk to and joke with, but that day I was not in a joking mood. So these kids were taking their milk cartons, biting into the side of them, and squirting them all over the room. It was a disaster on the floor, on the tables, on the windowsills. And every word I said to try and help the issue, they just ignored me, and I felt really defeated. But then, through the window, they all saw this other staff walking in uh, to the club, and they ran up to her right away and gave her this giant hug. 
And this was such a quick change in attitude for the group after they were just being really rambunctious and not listening to anything I said, and all of a sudden they were really sweet and kind to this other staff. And I was sitting there, now in this empty room, watching this scene unfold, and I stared around at the room and I just wondered, you know, what had I done wrong? And in that moment, I felt like I had failed. I had failed as a staff, like I had failed as a leader. And somehow this one staff could literally just walk through the door and be better for this group of kids than I could. So it just was heartbreaking because right when I thought I was getting it right, I was humbled again to see that I'm missing something. And it, it felt like I was back on my first day, just frozen there and unsure of what to do. But that day, I realized something. I realized that you don't have to be the perfect leader. I didn't have to be the perfect leader. I asked for help and I realized that this room just wasn't one I could lead that day. And that's kind of the great thing about leaders is that there are all different types and each person has their unique ability and qualities that they can offer. And someone else was willing to step in for me in that moment. And I was getting so caught up in how I couldn't connect with the 10 kids in this messy room that I was forgetting about the 20 others maybe that I had connected really well with. I was forgetting about the little girl who would run up and give me a hug every day. And I just learned that as a leader, comparison got me nowhere. And you don't have to be the best leader, you can just be you. And if you do that with confidence, people will follow. Grace, can you think of somebody who isn't a perfect leader, um, but that you still regard as a good leader? Yes. <laughs> and what what makes them still a good leader, even though they're not a perfect leader? I would say just their like willingness to go at it and try things. Um, you know, I think a lot of times. A good leader is someone who's, or you think of like someone who's perfect at what they're doing or like an expert in the field, whatever that field is that you're leading in. But sometimes the best ones are just out there trying and making mistakes at the same time. And I feel like you learn a lot more from the type of people who aren't perfect at it their first go around and someone who can really embrace their mistakes and keep kind of going at it with confidence. Yeah, that sounds like the kind of leader I want to work for. <laughs> what type of kid were you the best leader for? You know, in your story, you're, you're saying that there's this like, there's this kind of like ideal leader who walks into the room and you're thinking like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think instinctively, I see the more outgoing kids and the leader that they cling to the most. And I think that because I see them more, because they're more loud and showing who their favorite leaders are, I think that that is like the perfect style of leadership. But for me, the kids that I really connected with are the ones who kind of are a bit quieter or who don't want to talk up as much or speak up. And I think it was fun just to go up to a kid who was typically ignored because some of these kids are so rambunctious, like they just get the attention of staff right away. And, you know, everyone needs that attention, especially um, some of these kids that don't get it from other places, but a lot of them would kind of go back into their shell too and just sit in the corner. So reaching out to the kids who maybe didn't reach out to me first because 
I feel like I can resonate with them more and being quieter. Um, I think those were the ones I connected with. And then it was really neat to see some of them open up to and not be so quiet, you know, even though that's their initial appearance, I guess, for how they would act. A lot of them have really fun, like, spunky attitudes and fun stories to share still. So our God has a reputation of calling all of these people who seem like they're misfits or unqualified or um, last choice picks. And our God says to them, no, you're the one I choose. You you are the one for this job, this role, this um, this need I have. Um, what what does that tell you about our God? Um, I think that just really shows how he is capable of doing anything and we can trust in that because, you know, it's not us necessarily doing the work. It's him filling us with the spirit and being able to utilize his strength to go out. And it just shows how he is capable of anything and taking someone who feels all these unqualified feelings and emotions and making them um, able and strong to go out and do whatever work he has planned for them. And that's pretty neat that you can just get that power from having the spirit within you. When leaders don't look traditional, what do those folks need to thrive? Hmm, I would, I would say the most important thing is just confidence. Um, One thing I really like is a quote my coach used to say was humble yet confident. And I think that just perfectly encapsulates the idea of, you know, you don't need to be prideful in what you're doing, but you can have that like confident hope that, you know, God's got control. And even if you don't feel like you're prepared, he can, you know, make beauty out of what you have to offer. So just be confident in the fact that whatever you're working with is enough in that moment. And you're only going to get better if you try and if you embrace whatever position you're in. Hi, I'm Tabu from Cape Town, South Africa, and I'll pray for you guys. Dear God, help us become leaders Leaders in our community, leaders in, at our schools, leaders at our workplace, and leaders amongst our friend groups. Help us bring about change to the world for a brighter future for this generation and the next. We know entering a leadership role is not easy, but we know with you our side, it can be. We know that we can change the world and we can teach others to do better and be better. Amen. My camp tale takes place when I was a settler camper at Pine Lake. Um, it was my first summer as a settler. We had a rather small cabin. There was only four campers. My cabin leader was Emily C. We stayed in Pingin, so we had a very open space for a very little group. Um, but we got very close very fast, and it was super funny. I think we all had one of the best weeks ever. Towards the end of the week, when we were, it was getting closer to the end, we all started 
to get sad because we were so close and we didn't want to leave each other. We made a request to go stargazing Thursday night after light service and we were all super excited but then all day Thursday it was a really cloudy gloomy day and Thursday night we weren't able to stargaze and we were all really sad but we didn't let that take away from our joy of being together so we ended up sleeping on the ground so we could be close together for one last night. Um, then the next summer we came back and I was a settler camper again um, and we weren't expecting to see Emily C back because she told us she wasn't going to be back, but it just so happened the one week we were there, she was also because she was helping out that week and being like a sub cabin leader. So it was really awesome because we ended up having her as our cabin leader and we got another super fun summer. And as that week got closer to the end, I didn't really think anything of it, uh, asking to stargaze or anything. And we got to light service and She's like, guys, I have a plan. We're gonna do something really fun tonight. And we were all like, okay, whatever, like whatever you say. And um, she surprised us and took us down to Sunset Sing to Stargate because she remembered we requested that the, the summer before and weren't able to do that. And for me, it was just a really cool moment, not only as like a cabin, but as like a person that we all had made such a big impact on each other that we remembered the small little moments enough where it, it reflected in the summer after, as many summer memories do, I feel. And yeah, it was probably one of the most memorable camp summers I've ever had. Thank you to all the voices we heard today. Caleb from Minneapolis, staff alumni and Minnesota United fan before it was cool. Grace from Wapan, daymaker, camp leader, and stargazer. Tabo from Cape Town, South Africa, soulful dancer, wholehearted camp alumni who found himself and formed community. Kayla from Appleton, camp enthusiast, professional weed puller, and unofficial director of mischief. 